Okay. That's what that place is. Okay, it's the other. <laughs> it's the other of your iPhone. <laughs> it's just an interdimensional space womb. Jesus Christ, Doc, you disintegrated Einstein. Disintegrated Einstein. Einstein. Welcome to Science at the Movies, a podcast that looks at the role of science in some of our best loved and most hated movies. I'm Abby. I'm Frida. And this week's episode is about the film Big Hero 6. <laughs> Changing it up, are we? I know. <laughs> I try and it's just, I get lost in the middle of the sentence. <laughs> but first, how are you holding up in the UK? Woo! Yeah, it's fine. Let's move on. <laughs> um, can I just vent about something? Yeah, sure. Okay. Football. Yeah. Aussie rules football. I was just going to say, I was like, what kind of football now? Like real football or a weird Australian football? Okay. <laughs> I'm a divorced person and my son plays football. Okay. okay. I didn't grow up with football, like, personally. I don't know anything about it. Nothing. The culture, the rules. Can I just say, today, I took him to football, and it's raining. And I'm, like, trying to be like, yeah, it's part of the game. I mean, it's a winter sport. It's part of it. It's just part of it. You can come on. The most unconvincing um, person in the world. And then while we were there, I mean, it starts hailing and it's like wind that is so strong that my umbrella doesn't work. And I'm like struggling to close the umbrella. And this poor kid is just like, oh, mommy, mommy. and I'm like, yeah, this sucks. This is actually the worst thing ever. <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh God. And a lot of the other kids were like, yeah, let's go out anyway. And, I, and my son was just like, no. And I was like, yeah, I mean, this is awful. <laughs> so we went home. Are you serious? It was horrendous. He was soaking and crying. And oh I made me reflect, like, is this is this some weird, um, like, a masculinity thing? That, like, all these freezing, t- little freezing boys have to play in the rain. <laughs> I'm like, I'm sorry. He's small. It's freezing. I didn't get it. You see- I'm going home. I didn't get it. I'm sorry. That's what happened. I'm sorry. I don't know. I played hockey in school and like that's, you know, I remember just being on like me. these gravel pitches in the freezing cold and just hating every second of it. <laughs> like I hated hockey. Field hockey is, you know, to be clear. I yeah, 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 hated I it so much. <laughs> I will is it a never do passage? it again. <laughs> I think yeah. I mean, a lot of a lot of secondary schools in in Ireland and quite like field hockey. I think it's a pretty big sport there. These footy kids, they're in the tiniest shorts, mm. you know, and they're just. I'm sorry. Yeah, let's just say one second. Aussie rules football. Those shorts are teeny tiny. <laughs> they are dinky little things, and then the little slip vests as well. What? I know. Yeah, that's what they're in, and then the the tradies as well. Trades people in Australia, yeah. tradesmen, the tiny shorts. Yeah, it's very strange. <laughs> Yeah, well, anyway, that was your day. That was my day. I went for a lovely Pardon? walk this morning at 8 a.m. through West Brom Cemetery, 
which for any uh, anyone inland, West Brom Cemetery is a very nice cemetery, especially if the sun is through. But it's cold, so. Oh, it's lovely That's going walking lovely. in the cemetery. It is. There's a lot of nice... Mo- I, hey, Emmeline Pankhurst is... Um, buried there I took a photo of her grave because that's what you do <laughs> you know what I'm a big moron I have to just admit something okay I forgot to write an episode summary <gasps> no I mean it's not that hard it's fine you can I'll wing just it. do I it I believe in you I'm winging it okay <laughs> I just looked at the episode summary section and it's empty <laughs> shall we toast okay let's let's toast <laughs> Frida's really desperate. There's one country that Frida is like desperate to toast to. And I'm like really putting her through like some stress here because it's still not the next one on the list. The next one on the list is Belgium. Belgium? Belgium. Which is a hard one to pick out of toast in Belgium because all I can hear in my head is like Hercule Poirot. I am not French. I am Belgian. I'm like, oh God. So all I can figure out is like you go... We go Sante for the French side, Proust for the Dutch side, Prost for the German side. Oh, so, okay. There you go. Cheers, Proust. Belgium. Thanks for listening. What up? All right. Episode summary. Yep. Big Hero 6 from the Pixar Studios. Pic- Big Hero is 6 it is Pixar? a delightful film. I thought film. it was just Disney. From Big Hero 6 from the Disney Studios. Hang on, let me just Google. <laughs> I'll just get on the Wikipedia page. It's, it's going so well. All right. <clears throat> All right, this, this week's movie, Big Hero 6, from the Walt Disney Animation Studios, is a story of hero a young robotics genius who loses his older brother Tadashi um, in an explosion at a fair and is helped in his grief by the soft healthcare robot that Tadashi designed and his name is Baymax Um, and Baymax kind of helps Tadashi uh, healing but there's this whole other subplot, basically, because uh, Tadashi's invented these little micro-robots, and they're really amazing. They join together to make anything. And there's a conspiracy, perhaps the fire that killed Tadashi was started on purpose to steal the micro-robots, and then the micro-robots are running around the city with a masked villain, and they're trying to figure out who it is. And it's the farmer from Babe. Did you realize that? That's whose voice it is. It's James Cromwell. <laughs> I did not know that. <laughs> and... Um, Hero and Baymax team up with Tadashi's lab partners, Gogo, Honey Lemon, Wasabi, and Fred, the science enthusiast, teaming up as superheroes to bring down the villain. Um, what a delightful film. That's my summary. That's what happens when you wing it. Hey. I mean, that's um, what the movie was, so well done. That is what the movie was. And I think this movie was just an absolute delight. Do you agree with me? Wow. Okay. <laughs> do you agree with me? I do agree with if you. Not, no, I do agree with you. It's a lovely movie. It's sad, but it's like life lesson-y and classic Disney, really. Mm-hmm. Isn't it? But yeah, it's really classic heart- Disney. It, it's very heartwarming. Sad children. Classic Disney. Yeah. 
if it has sad, sad thing overcome it you know it's like that's any story yeah it's like bad experience must overcome obstacles learn a lesson about life and myself and friendship and love and all that kind of stuff and then everything's fine but that's every story hard thing overcome learn a lesson (laughs) yeah exactly classic disney every story (laughs) i I have to just want to illustrate how good i think this movie is i just read a couple of things to illustrate how good the writing is number one point is the phrase someone has to help is repeated twice i mean it's repeated once it's said twice uh-huh. number one is when tadashi goes in uh, to the fire to get professor callahan he says someone has to help and then at the end when Hero's going in to rescue abigail he says someone has to help that's number one and number two so when tadashi dies he leaves behind his baseball cap which is kind of this symbol of the loss and it's on the bed and everything. And the end of the movie, Baymax, well, quote, unquote, dies. And his robot arm is left. His little exoskeleton. And that is sort of like the robot arm is there and the baseball cap is there. And even my eight-year-old son was aware of it. And he said, he said, the robot arm is to remember Baymax, just like the cap is to remember Tadashi. Aww. Like he even could pick up on that. It's so so good i also want to say that i watched it by myself and then i actually put it in front of my son and his two friends because i just wanted to see i wanted to see how they enjoyed it and they loved it it's great it's more adult i i i think i don't know i read oh my god i read a review of it that just made me want to punch whoever wrote it because they were just such a whiny little bitch about it because they were like (laughs) basically saying how it doesn't stand up as a superhero movie and i was like it's not a fucking superhero movie you twat face it's an origin story for these heroes yeah that hero is and his friends and then like there's a series that kind of follows on that's the big hero six then and like you know what they do and all of that but they're not super they're not like you know injected with serum heroes they're just people and it's a story Mm. about people and loss and and then you know finding their kind of way through and supporting each other and it just really annoyed me that this guy was just it's not a good superhero movie it's like shut up that is so stupid i mean (laughs) it's such a you're trying to basically say it's not this genre oh he said that it wasn't trying to be he said there wasn't enough adult there wasn't enough to keep the adults interested or some shit like that like that there wasn't i was like what movie did you watch go back it's not true quarter (laughs) i i think from my point of view the kids first of all they were absolutely engrossed in the movie they Mm. they were laughing at baymax i think it was like Baymax himself was just as intriguing to the adults as to the children and the loss as well and there were a lot of scary moments for the kids and there was upsetting moments for the adults the adult that I was with like the parent of the other kids said that there were three times that she came close to crying (laughs) I didn't ask her the three but I could guess um I thought this movie was so good yeah and it's also, it's more science fiction, I feel, than superheroes. Oh, yeah, 100%. Kind of, I think, yeah. It's a science fiction movie. Yeah. Um, I mentioned that James Cromwell plays Professor 
Callahan. Yeah. And first, I couldn't recognize the voice. It was like killing me the whole time. I thought it was the guy from Law and Order, but it wasn't. And then who else is in it? Um, is Maya Rudolph the yes. aunt? Yes, she is. Yes. I love her so much. Yeah, just, the aunt was just loving and wonderful. Who else is in it? There's, who else do we Well, have? I just have two people that I just... Because there's um, Daniel Henney is Tadashi. And I just have like a little like life crush on Daniel Henney anyway, because I just think he's great. He's To be honest, he hasn't been in a huge amount of stuff, but for like I've got two two major nerd comments really like it's that if anyone reads fantasy fiction and reads Robert Jordan's Wheel of Time books because they are finally making a tv series of it and the tv series is coming out and Daniel Henney is going to be playing Lan which is just yes I'm very excited about it and then I we just have to talk for one second about the king of the nerds Alan Tudyk like he the absolute like do you know when you talk about like an actor who has range like that is Alan is like I I'm all like am I pronouncing his surname right saying two dick who does he two play dick, who dick. does he play uh, he's the um the baddie well not the baddie but the the corporation guy can't remember oh, his the name industrialist yeah oh yeah yeah I know that face oh yeah I definitely know that face is he's, he Firefly yeah uh, but like he's yeah. just everything he's in so many things he voices so many characters he's just such a great. He's a great actor in terms of like just being able to play all these different like science fiction roles, serious roles, comedy roles. And I love him very much. He's one of my favorites. So I'm just happy that we finally, I mean, it's, you know, he's not really a big play in this movie or anything like that. And I'm sure we will have one in the future where he is. But, you know, it's just nice to Mm. get to say like, hey, he's here. And also if if I'm saying two dick wrong, then I mean, yeah, that's all I can think about two dick. Just quickly, um, the animation in this film, I just wanted to mention one thing because there's a software that was developed called Hyperion for this film. I don't know if you noticed how beautifully lit yeah. the film was, the warm sunlight. And so the way they actually got the warm sunlight is a software which uses physics. It actually uses ray tracing geometry cool. to uh, like send the light bouncing around the shots. Um, and usually that's like if they use ray tracing software in a regular movie it'd be like one or two bounces Um, but in this film they used for the the environment of the film like for San Francisco it was five or six bounces of light so that's a lot of light bouncing around the image but any shot with Baymax had 10 bounces and that's because they wanted to create Baymax to be warm and huggable and so they found that achieved that if they made the light be able to bounce around the rays bounce around 10 times that's a really really cool software I just wanted to mention that really quickly that's really Um, awesome isn't it that's the film looks so rich and like textured and it's so beautiful yeah so that's sort of like the the making of the film itself but in the content of the film there's an enormous amount of technology in the film And to my understanding, they put a lot of effort into making sure that all the technology that they bring up in the film is based on existing technology or technology that's already in development, which makes the film really, really, really interesting if you're into that kind of thing as well. But before we get into all the science, I think that we can just come back real quick and talk about the themes of the movie. Um, And I think this is one of those science fiction movies. And to your comment about, you know, that guy who said, 
yeah, it's not a it's not a really good superhero film. I felt it was a science fiction film, and it was one of those great science fiction films, which is always not really about the science. It's always about something else. And in, and in this case, I think it's about grief. Mm. It's about loss. And more importantly, it's about care and healing, giving care and healing and obviously robots. Yeah. And I think the thing with Callahan, this is why I don't know if it was like that important about like exactly what happened with the revenge plot. What Callahan represents is grief going off the rails without any care or without any support. He doesn't have the support that he needs to bring him back yeah. from that path into a more healing path. And he ends up going down a really troubling path and he can't uh, erase those actions. And in the end, he has to take responsibility and he's unable to be there for his daughter in the end. Mm. Um, and as we all do for all of our actions. And so that's what I felt like he was representing versus Hero when he wanted to go down that path and the care and the love of his friends and family brought him back into a bit more of a healing path. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's the thing. I it, it's kind of almost like the two it's like the the Callahan is the this is what you could become hero. Like that's kind of where you're starting yeah. to go with with when he has those moments with Baymax where it's like destroy, destroy Callahan. It's like you you know you're yeah. you're kind of following that you're just becoming him, the villain mm -hmm. as well and you know, you need to kind of yeah. listen to the people around you so that you don't become the villain and you mm -hmm. honor the person that you're kind of like. That's right. Yeah, that, that was the thing. It was like, come back to come back to everyone else and honor Tadashi. And so it was very mm -hmm. sad. It's a very difficult subject, I think, to try to um, put into a movie. But it's a subject that there's a lot of kids out there that age as well. Like, because what he's the um, hero's 13 in the movie. There's got a lot of 13 year olds out there who are trying to deal with loss and, you know, in unexpected yeah. ways as well. So I think it's lovely yeah. when they make these types of movies that can kind of help young people mm -hmm. understand certain emotions and things. Yeah. And Baymax kind of acts like he's able to explicitly say these because he's a robot. He ends up like, I'm just realizing this now, because he's a robot and he has the facade of the robot, they're able to get away with him explicitly stating people experiencing loss need care. Yeah. People experiencing loss need friends. It's hard to explicitly state those things without sounding clunky unless the character is a caregiving robot who's programmed with those things. Yeah. And it makes it really clear to children. Um, and I don't think it's just children dealing with grief, grief and loss. I think it's all children having to deal with difficult feelings, mm. feelings that make you feel angry. And this is, I say, is as a parent of an eight-year-old child, you know, when you're feeling angry and you're feeling mad, you know, you have to learn that you have those bad feelings. Don't do anything that you then will regret when you're out of that, like, yeah. rage, right? You have to learn to understand and process. I know I feel bad right now. Don't smash this because then I'll be sad about that later. And I actually have told Raph, you know, when you're in a bad mood and you're tempted to do something destructive, you're like not allowing yourself to get out of the bad mood. You're kind of making the bad mood last forever. Right. You know, and so we learn, you have to learn how to process your bad, your like difficult feelings in a way that allows you to step away from them. And by, you know, Hero going over that path into harming somebody else, he's he's like, he's he's making it harder for himself to get out of the, the grief, basically. Yeah. Or to get out of the destructive grief. Oh. It's really a good movie. It's such a, it's, uh, you're explaining these things incredibly well. And it's such a good point what you're saying about Baymax being able to just explicitly make these statements that are very, very clear to people then. 
And I, do you know what? There's some mm-hmm. adults that need these lessons as well. This isn't just about kids. There are adults out there that Absolutely. need to learn how to handle certain situations. And, and we can all yeah, take... Yeah, without putting a fist through the wall. Yeah, exactly. Because then once you're out of the bad mood, you have a hole in the wall to stare at until yeah. you fork out the money to fix it. And that makes that moment drag out for a very long time. Yeah. And that's a lesson you need to learn as children. But yeah, you're right. Like a lot of people don't. Yeah. Definitely. Um. So those are those are the big themes of the movie. But like, let's get a little wacky, I hope. <laughs> so let's start our first section, Trope uh, of the Week. Trap. Anything tropey. Oh, anything this at was all. really hard. I know. It was so was hard. Bit- because, yeah, of course there's all, of course there's like a bunch of little tropes that like, in every movie, you can't make a movie that doesn't have tropes. That, like, it's not possible. But at the same time, yeah. like, there's nothing that I felt that I was mad about. So like the only thing I could possibly say is just the whole super nerds idea. Like just that classic kind of like, you are nerd. Therefore, if you can think it, you can do it. You know everything yeah. and you can do anything. So like that that's the only thing for me. It's just like the, this idea of this like, um, you're a smart person. Therefore, you just... Yeah. Everything. So... Everything. But at the same time, it did, I wasn't mad about it. So <laughs> that's it. What about you? No. Did you... Mine is actually so similar to yours. It just like, just to continue what you said, that that whole like, you just need to look at it from a different angle. Yeah. Like that was a little tropey to be like, just a different angle. You know, I'm like, okay, guys. But very similar to what you said, kind of continuing from our spectral (laughs) chat that he builds in two minutes in his garage. Like, yeah, high five by myself. (laughs) With the help of my trusty friends, you know, he builds <laughs> <Yeah>. these. <laughs> oh all the garbage bins of them. You're like, where are you getting all these materials, mate? Where's all the money coming from? How well is that cafe that your aunt runs to? And <laughs> come on. Well, maybe they handed out. They could have had grants. Maybe they had like little grants in order to make something for the fair. But honestly, like it would be what? $300? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I know that that was... You know, look, but you know, the yeah. movie has enough strengths that it's that it's okay. All right, science time. Let's start off because there are a bunch of different science environments, and like I said before, all of this is like based on real things. Um, just a little thing about how the movie starts with the robot fighting. Yeah, funny story. <laughs> That's a very good scene. Go on. I've watched robot fighting. It was like I was waiting at the health center at uni and what was on like robot fighting was on the TV while I was waiting. You wait for ages at uni. Yeah. So I'm like watching this robot fighting. I'm yeah, like, what isn't there the like hell? a TV show, Robot Wars or something? Is that what it yeah, is? I think so. It was crazy. <laughs> the difference that between that and this is that the people are like in this movie are awfully close to their robots. Whereas in real life, the robots are in a full arena yeah. with like perspex, you know, <laughs> walls. big mechanical <laughs> scary fucking things that can do damage. <laughs> and they seriously smash each other up. It's so awesome. <laughs> I love it. I was like watching this like, this is great daytime TV. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever watched? I don't watched think I've that? ever. I don't think I've ever properly watched it. I think I kind of can't handle it. I can't handle the idea that you would put that much time and effort and resources I into know. creating something that is like functional for it to just be like beaten to crap. 
unbelievable it's so funny and they do have those like um you know the knives that come out at the side and spin like they really have that stuff and the robots like that they can write themselves as well that they they're able to write themselves if they get knocked over that's really cool stuff see that's the thing like robots that can do that that's that's a lot of advancements in robotics for it to be in fucking robot wars (laughs) Come on, guys. Yeah, well, maybe that's where you get your, like, street cred, robot street cred. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I don't know. I think it's great. Um, the other env- Another environment of science in here is obviously the lab. I read briefly that it was based on the MIT Media Lab. Oh. But the, the lab was pretty funny because, again, safety. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like, pay, it's pay, kind pay. of nuts. <laughs> We know right? it's a cartoon, I mean, but like, still. He's like a laser-induced plasma blades. Yeah. And he's like, whoa, 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 whoa. You know? Like, yeah. It's like, and it's like the way how it like cuts the apple so thin and you're just like, it would, do you have any guarding against this whatsoever? Yeah. It's just mayhem. And you're wandering around the place with all our chemical reactions. It's like, just stand I right know. next to it. It's like, what is happening? Okay, so those are all our different environments. And then I think we can talk about the scientists. I have a few things Stop to say about boo. these. I'm sorry, it's really annoying me. Lo- <laughs> do you know all I can think of? Bad every- Abby? Bad Abby. Every time I do it, all I can think is like How I Met Your Mother in the episode about the Woo Girls. Oh no, you're a Woo Girl. I've never seen that no. show. Don't I've bother. I've never watched a single episode of that show. Don't bother. It's amazing until would. the very final episode. And when you get to the final episode, it ruins eight years of your life and it's pointless. Shocking. <laughs> All right, so there's there's a I'm bunch of scientists. We've yeah. got Tadashi and then here a little hero. And then Honey Lemon. Mm-hmm. I have a I just want to say something about Honey Lemon. Yeah. Cause we have Gogo. I love Gogo. She says woman up and then she says woman up again. <laughs> and she's awesome and she's fearless and like she is great. And she takes the wheel of the car and she's like, Oh, come on, give me the wheel. She's awesome. However, I love that Honey Lemon kind of doesn't need to be like a male in order to show that she's tough. Yeah. Her uniform is pink. She weaponizes like her handbag with the weapons. She doesn't shy away. She like leans into her girliness and she is tough. And I think this is good. Yes. That's my comment about that. This is good. This is what I want to see. I don't want to have to see women discard their girliness in order to show their time. Yeah. I love that's it. That's my comment. I really, yeah. No, that's perfect. I really liked her. And you're right. It's like, we are, the thing is, like, we're all like, we're all individuals, you know, men are not, men should not be thought of to be a specific way. Women should not be thought of to be a specific way. And toughness is not gender dependent or like mm-hmm. specific traits based on like physical strength or a certain type of attitude like there are many many strong strong tough people out That's there right. who are very delicate and um mm-hmm. soft people as well you know you can have both so yeah, it's toughness. great you can have both strength toughness yeah um so then we also have so the honey lemon and then gogo i've mentioned wasabi is very entertaining obviously he's like the big guy but then he's scared of everything and that's like a kind of running joke the whole way but he's also just so nerdy he's just lovely and excited (laughs) and nerdy it's just very sweet um 
And then we have the other person in the group that I want to talk about real quick before talking about our main character is Fred. Oh, like, Fred. TJ Miller. How good oh is my Fred? God. <laughs> I love that he's a science enthusiast because <laughs> I know a few of those. Do you know a I few love, of those? I, I just love that he's just sat there and he's like, he's just like, I'm just waiting for you to be able to make the thing I want. <laughs> <laughs> just hanging here until you can make me into a giant Godzilla fire-breathing monster. He's like, yes, yeah, science! Yeah. And and by the way, that gag that it turns out his family is like yeah. royal. <laughs> yeah. That's very good. See, that was a good adult joke. And he's talking about how he has to take, you know, he, he wears underwear four times, you know, back, front, inside out, back, inside out, front. And then like all the, like, whatever he does. Yeah. and then he shows his house and the butler is like, Master Fred. Yeah. <laughs> that was a great joke. But then um, there's Tadashi, who's kind of like Tadashi's outfit, to be perfectly honest. He's got this blazer and a cap. He has this look about him, like, like he's, he's like, Going to a strip club that he doesn't want to be recognized. Oh my God. <laughs> that was his costume to me. I was like, jock at strip club. <laughs> that was what. <laughs> Jesus he just gave a vibe. I think it was the cat. <laughs> or like Vegas. Oh. I don't know. Animation is getting too good. <laughs> By the way, no two faces in the film were the same. Right. Every single face that includes every person in the crowd was unique, which is never... I think this is the first time that that has oh, been okay. done in an animated film. Usually they repeat in every 10, every 100 oh, right. people or something. Um, but yeah, then we get to our little hero, hero, little child prodigy. I know. You know. It's such a thing, isn't it? It's like, I always wonder about it because I, I, I wonder, do you... Do you does Abby know how to speak? Maybe. Uh, just child prodigies are a thing that I uh, so used to say. I guess I could have used it as a trope, maybe. Like just something that keeps, you always see it in these types of movies, like science-y kind of movies where you've got like someone who's just, you either end up with like a child who's a genius or just some like one who's an idiot who turns out to be a genius or something like that. But the child genius thing for me, it's like, I don't know any in real life. <laughs> like, it's always in movies to the point that it makes me think that there are a shit ton of, like, child geniuses out there in the world as scientists that I can never live up to as a scientist because there's just so far beyond anything. And then I'm, like, in my reality of my world, I'm like, but I have never come across one. So how many of them are there really? <laughs> Um, that's so that's so good and so funny and I also imagine that being a child genius is far more dysfunctional than the films want to make us believe yeah um I I reckon it goes in the direction of like everyone who ends up with an empire was probably a child genius but they are rare right and they're going to be successful so was Elon Musk was Bill Gates like were these people well, because Might have been. it depends then, because like what they never kind of really depict in these types of stuff is what it must be like. How, what is your life if you are 12 years old and you've already graduated from high school? What's your life? Mm. 
Like what, how, who are your friends? Yeah. What types of friendships and friends? relationships do you develop? How do yeah. you grow in your own maturity? Because you've got, there's like, you know, your personality needs to come through, your emotional maturity, and as well That's as right. like your actual own intelligence. And just because you're intelligent, does that mean that you actually, like we all know what is as scientists, like you never know everything, you're constantly learning. So yeah, they, they'll know more stuff and how to do more stuff or maybe can come up with solutions faster and better. But is that good for them in their lives and mm. their future? I actually have a cousin, a child prodigy cousin Yay. who graduated when he was 13. Wow. Yeah, he graduated. So they do exist. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I won't talk about okay, it because that's his there. privacy. Yeah. Um, but I do have one, yeah, and I, yeah, I think films. There are there are a couple of films. Gifted was is a good film about child prodigy. It's oh, okay. actually with our, our Captain America. Oh, cool. And, and 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 he plays a character who's also a child genius, but like it talks way more about the fucked up aspects of yeah. it. Yeah. Okay. It's actually most mostly about the fucked up aspects of it. Is it a sciencey one? Can we do it? It's mathsy. We cool. can do it. Excellent. I'd like to. Yeah. So someday, someday at some point, I'd like. To, yeah. So we'll come back to that then. That's it. It's a good movie. Yeah. All right. Let's put that aside and get into the science. <gasps> there's a hell of a lot of science in this movie. There's so much. So what I'd like to do is so much. I want to go through bits and pieces. Okay. And then I don't know if you have any more bits and pieces. But I've got, I've got a couple go th- um, that I can add in on this bit. Yeah. So bits and bobs. Yeah. Great. So the first thing is, just real quick, they have the laser keyboard. That's real. Oh. No big deal. It just is real. The, the, the keyboard, which is kind of a, like a laser keyboard. Another thing is the expanding foam that Honey Lemon uses. Yes. Real. I've used, used that to, to make stage props. Gaps. <laughs> no, yeah, it's real. Uh, yeah, it's super sticky as well. Actually, like, uh, I, I, it's like really sticky. I've made it to make like giant cupcakes and stuff. Unbelievable. Yeah. Really handy. FYI, anyone out there who's making props for theater, expanding foam, super happy, super happy, super handy. Sorry, expanding foam, super handy. Yeah, it 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 goes sets hard, right? It's like really hard. Yeah, you just have to be careful because, like, as soon as you squirt it, like it just goes. Yeah, huge. (laughs) Yeah, you have to. Yeah, it's for like if you if you can put it in um to seal cracks and things like that, insulating gaps. Mm. You can put it in pipes and it, it. Actually, you know, in my parents' bathroom, like growing up, there was the insulated the foam, or, like there was pipes, and it had the hard foam, like sort of coming out of it. Yeah. So obviously, it had been used to seal a gap, and I never knew what the fuck that shit was, man. I thought it was bad. I thought it was mold. I don't know what that shit is. Never knew my entire life until this week what that was. <laughs> Amazing. Okay, the next thing, I just want to talk about really quickly about the neurotransmitter. Yeah. I just felt really confused about it because it's like a mind-raising device, neurotransmitter. And I just think like if we have like Siri or Google Assistant, all these things, um, they're programmed to understand a certain language, which we more or less sound the same talking, like it's universal English, and it can be programmed that way. I don't understand how you would do that with thoughts because we don't have a universal language for thoughts. How can a computer be programmed? Like, do we think the same? Do we think in English? That's the part that I'm like, I don't see how that can happen. But aside from that, the idea of neurotransmitters. Okay. So body functions mostly are connected to the nervous system, right? Yeah. 
And then you have neural cell networks that propagate electromagnetic signals. Okay. And, and it's neurotransmitters mediate the exchange of those signals, right? Mm-hmm. And those are the signals which basically go to get our bodily functions to work. Now, there's plenty of ways to detect those and loads of reasons why we might want to detect those neurotransmitters, like to know that a body wants to do a certain function, to, to know that those things are working or to understand the connections between certain signals and certain body functions, which actually we're going to talk about a bit later. But I wouldn't say those are the same as thoughts. Right. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Like a neurotransmitter sending off a signal to move your foot forward isn't the same as build me a bridge with... Yes. You know what I yeah. mean? It's it's a, such a different... Yeah, because it's it's exactly what you're saying. It's that, like that connection to... That connection through the central nervous system, this idea of... I mean, I think there's like an age-old discussion, isn't it? It's like, do you think about moving your hand and then your hand moves? Or does your hand moves and the, move and then you think about moving your hand? kind of which Mm -hmm. which one comes first sort of that connection but it's because that connection is there but you're so right like that connection isn't there to something external from you to say make this shape or make this object because then also those robots have to know what all these objects are so are you doing a visual picture and saying copy the picture Mm -hmm. how are they reading it it's kind of like when we talked about telepathy in um independence day actually about how like what the base of language is and how you how can you have something universal in terms of like telepathy which is kind of what you're yeah. doing you're doing telepathy with the robots i guess in the transmitter it's like yeah you know figure out the, what my yeah. base language is and understand what it is i'm trying to communicate to you yeah i don't know that's yeah. really interesting ultimately you have to program a computer with this to recognize a series of phrases mm. words phrases i'm unsure how thoughts but even that like neurotransmitters yeah, like when you were saying that, I was thinking like, I see a cupcake, I go, I want cupcake. My body kind of does the rest. Mm-hmm. The transmitters start going, all right, move hand forward, all right, salivate. Yeah. You know, All those things happen. Those are the transmitters setting off those signals that you can pick up um, because I've decided I want the cupcake. So my thought is, I want cupcake. Neural transmitters, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I remember I, I want cupcake. cupcake. <laughs> all right. Next next thing that I had when to talk about the hyperspectral cameras. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I know it's funny it's come up again but specifically specifically it seems to scan the brain mm. and to my understanding of hyperspectral cameras is that it's just really high resolution images rather than just RGB visible light you can image um, like a, a huge continuous spectrum of um, of wavelengths and get like incredibly high resolution many 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 colors and a big bandwidth of, of wavelengths. Mm. Um, but to image brain functionality, you really need like an fMRI, right? Or, right. I mean, there are other other things. Um, but I did look into this, and the only use of hyperspectral cameras to image brain functionality is during surgery when the skull is removed. <laughs> Ooh. If the patient has had a craniotomy... The hyperspectral camera, because then the brain's exposed. Because, I mean, I'm talking imaging yeah. through the skull. I'm not sure how a hyperspectral camera can go through the skull to image, but if the skull's exposed, then it can actually image the 
hemodynamic or the blood flow properties of the brain. I have re- I have seen there is some work on that. So I just I, I just think it's not possible to use hyperspectral cameras to image brain function through the skull yeah i didn't i can't i didn't really understand it because all i could think was like spectral 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 (laughs) hyperspectral cameras (laughs) back because we never really kind of got into it when we did the spectral episode and now i'm kind of like regretting it a little bit purely because i didn't actually know it was a real thing i thought they'd made it up i thought it was just bullshit (laughs) so it's it's like yeah, yeah, well, the only cool. thing I found about it was that it's supposed to be capable of imaging all wavelengths of the electromagnetic spectrum. So then I was kind of yeah. like, okay, well, well, is it trying to pick up on certain types of like waves coming from the brain in some way? Like what wavelengths? Well, like not visible light, but like what? No light. What you else is light. it looking for? Right. You know? What does it send off? It, it doesn't have to be the whole spectrum. It's just a particular bandwidth. And we don't know what the bandwidth is, but it's also just... it's like a huge number of different spectra right so as opposed to just red green blue as the regular thing it's it's like um infinitesimally small spectra if that makes sense and so that you you, and then you stack all the different colors on top of each other thousand different colors instead of just three um so it's just like really amazing well yeah well so that's for that's for the imaging so then i i wonder like but in the scanning is it scan if it if it can scan all wavelengths then that's x-rays and radio waves and um yeah but you wouldn't have x-rays unless you're shining an x-ray source through the brain it could pick up x-rays if there was an x-ray machine which that would be very dangerous if you ask me (laughs) Yeah, it's just an. It, that yeah. takes the photo. You need the source right. to actually give the signal. Um, so that I just was wondering about that one. But the, um, before we get into the major topic of, you know, Baymax and everything like that, are there any other bits and pieces well, of technology that you thought were pretty cool in the movie? Yeah, because I actually just um, what I actually like is that each one, like this whole thing that they did with the superhero superheroes, like that they made them superheroes. But what they did was they just kind of augmented them with things that are very based on very real science which I kind of wasn't really paying attention to that much at first until I was kind of looking at it afterwards and what I love is um so you said about honey lemons bag handbag like yeah that's like you know fantasy that you could have this handbag that would do this but everything that she's doing in creating these like little bombs it's just basic chemistry so it's all based on this real idea of you know um creating these chemical reactions which i just thought was really cool and i love mm-hmm. that the totally. uh what one second i have to pull up the gas because i forgot their i forgot all their fucking names wasabi wasabi thank go, you go. that's what i want wasabi um and then wasabi is like that the plasma cutters and like these are for true because like if you think about that our last episode we talked about laser cooling and in this what you're doing is if you lose, use lasers to heat up the air you can create like plasma and then use this as a weapon and they like it does plasma surgical tools do exist that you know are really good at cutting um without apparently without bleeding i guess maybe they cut and cauterize at the same time or something like that maybe um hmm. and then gogo's <laughs> maglev wheels which is basically just using like electromagnets attraction to float and create frictionless propulsion which they're doing on these kind of monorails in some places yeah now. yeah and uh oh <laughs> my favorite is uh fred's like automated automation 
guy. Like, they don't they make Fred like a suit, like an auto? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and then he can like, and he does all this fire breathing and stuff. Have you seen the pictures of the giant robot in Japan? No. It looks like something out of Power Rangers. <laughs> well, that's the thing. And it's like, you know, you, it's, I think it's supposed to be piloted by, you know, someone just sits in it and pilots it. So it's just. And it has pyrotechnics. It's just really cool. I think they're, I think it's like a, some sort of a um, uh, amusement attraction kind of thing. But it's huge. Awesome. But it's cool. So, yeah, I just liked I just liked all those little bits that it was kind of like, we're not going to make you these like magic fake superheroes we're just going to each we're going to give each one of you a little bit of real science that you can actually use in this really cool way and i just i liked it i really yeah. enjoyed it amazing yeah thanks for going through those um but main science is that um is really baymax i guess Aww. he's this healthcare robot that's made out of vinyl i think mm. And I have heard, Little Birdie told me, that this field that makes soft robots is indeed called soft robotics. And it is very much a real thing. It is very much a real thing. I know it's very much a real thing because I wrote my undergraduate literature review on soft robotics. (laughs) I was like, wow. I know people were like, but you're a physicist. Yeah, well, you know, I had bio-inspired materials. So I was like, hey. Soft robotics is cool. Let's look at that. And it is really freaking cool. So I'll just, I just wrote a little thing to kind of give just a little brief overview as to what soft robotics kind of is. And what's funny is we actually talked a little bit about this when we did the Iron Man episode because we talked about exoskeletons. And the thing is the principles in exoskeletons that we talked about, like actuation and sensors, is pretty much the same in robotics. Uh, but the idea of soft robotics making like squidgy robots like Baymax is actually only a part of it. And it doesn't necessarily mean like squidgy. It just means that like the term soft applies to two, two different areas. There's one that's known as hyper redundant systems and then there's continuum systems. So hyper redundant systems, they use hard components, but they do it in a way that can replicate flexible motion. So using things like shape memory alloys, and you can create a set of rigid links that will increase the degrees of freedom of your movement of the system. Uh, so if you think about like a certain, so if you think about a serpentine robot, so like a lot of different little links, but it's done in such a way that it means that the what looks like a hard piece of equipment can move in that like slake, snake-like motion. So it kind of uh, yeah. create that kind of I like see. curvature in it. And then you have continuum systems and the continuum systems are the ones that are made using soft materials like polymers and elastomers. And these are ones that can bend continuously due to elastic deformation. Uh, So things like pneumatic actuators where you can use polymers to make tubes that will bend when they're inflated following the the design of the mold, such as things like Baymax. So like Baymax seems to be a sort of a combination of these two styles. He has like a rigid skeletal frame with an inflatable vinyl cover. So his motion is actually good old fashioned hard robotics, but the material and the inflation makes him soft and interactive, which actually makes uh, one of the reasons why that's such a popular thing is it makes him perfect for safe human interaction and 
That's right. Which when we get more into this idea of why would you want like a humanoid style robot? And for the most part, it seems to be because of medical robots and then having them flexible so that you can have safe human interaction because the medical robots will obviously need more connection with the humans. Sad of things. And that's kind of really it. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously a hell of a lot more to it, but like just as an (laughs) overview, like this kind of just what the idea of Mm. soft robots is. Yeah, and it, even just by, like, watching people's response to Baymax as they're watching the film, mm. it kind of gives an idea of why soft robotics might induce, like, a different response in humans than something which was just, like, as you say, good old-fashioned mechanical robot. Yeah. I like how the, inside the skeleton is just mechanical and so, like, his steps are kind of in line with what you would expect from a mechanical robot. Oh God, but when it has the exterior of Baymax, I mean, it's just so cute. Boink, 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 boink. The little sounds. Ba, da, 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 da. All the little, I know. Like, just every I'll, step, you just I hear know. that little, like, boink, boink. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so robots in healthcare, like, there's so much stuff. And I just found, like, a few bits and pieces. And it's kind of segueing directly from that and why sort of robotics would would be great um there is there's a robot concierge the company called luvozo it's called sam sam oh and oh. it works in a, a residence uh, residence in an old folks home and it, it kind of goes from room to room to check on their needs oh that's lovely. Um, yeah, and so it's programmed to first of all, it can navigate, you know, navigate obstacles and things like that. And it, in it, depending on the needs of each resident, might some residents might need to be checked on more often than others and things like that. Mm. So it can be programmed that way. But when they do come into the rooms, an offsite care professional is connected to Sam uh, and through a screen, and that can actually ask questions and everything like that oh. to the person. But just you know, because we actually have an aging population. Just a quick stat, which is that in the US, the number of people over 60 is expected to double by 2050. Oh, wow. Um, and so there aren't going to be enough staff to be able to do do this. Yeah. Um, and so another uh, uh, idea is a social companion robot. Um, there's a robot called Zora, and that has it's about seventeen thousand dollars per. So it's expensive, but they've sold like a thousand worldwide, mostly to old folks' homes. They they can talk with her directly. She can remind them about dinner or their medication, and she can also move around and lead exercises for them. Very good. Um, the only thing is that when she does talk with them, um, it's actually a nurse that's typing the responses in, and the nurse is sort of uh, off, like right. out of sight. Okay. Um, but yeah, like because there's a loneliness with old people. There's a lot of old people, yeah. and not enough. I think staff. I think they have something like that with um animals as well. I think some company made like a robot dog that the intention yes. was for it to have companionship for for elderly people yeah. to have kind of like a pet. Yeah, it's just very sweet. <gasps> Blade Runner's happening. A few. Oh, Sorry, Blade Runner. Electric sheep. There's a few other. Th- Oh, I just want to talk about exoskeletons real yeah. quick. Um, so they've been used to help people whose limbs are paralyzed. Yeah. And just one example of one guy who had four limbs, and I'll put the link in the, the episode notes. Um, he didn't have the use of any of his limbs. And so they used surgery to implant electrodes into the part of his brain, speaking of neurotransmitters, the part of his brain that controls movement. Mm-hmm. And those electrodes are designed to 
read brain activity and then they sort of develop the exoskeleton to um, translate the signals from the electrodes uh, to instructions for controlling the exoskeleton. So those electrode signals are like pinged to a nearby computer, which translate into instructions um, and everything like that. And currently the technology is limited by the amount of data it's actually able to receive and right. process in the short period of time that it needs to put back the instructions. That's like very limiting mm-hmm. at the moment because there's a lot of brain activity. It has to pretty quickly process and to yeah. move the exoskeleton. And so they're st- kind of still working on how to do that. I think that they found that if there's too much of a delay, like it's overloaded, like it doesn't work. Right. Like to send the signal and to do the movement, like there's actually, I couldn't really understand it, but there's, and I'll touch the article, but that there is a difficulty if it takes too long. Right. It's something. Um, another thing about exoskeletons is I found this really cool. They call it a wearable chair, but I don't know. It doesn't look like a chair. Oh, it is a chair technically, but it's called Archelis. And it's designed for surgeons or for anybody that has to stand for a really, really long period of time. And they're kind of strapped onto the legs and they kind of hold you up. So you're kind of sitting but standing at the same time. It looks super strange, but it kind of seems like accessible, like kind of super useful, actually. It just straps onto the legs. It's sort of, it kind of looks awesome. I feel like I saw this when we were doing Iron Man for, um, for, oh yeah, for the, um, for soldiers as well on long um, things or something. Sorry. It's crazy. Oh no, no, no! I think they're kind of they're kind of cool. I like them because they look. When I look at them, I'm like the design. It looks simple. It looks very unimposing. Yeah. A lot of the exoskeletons that with a disability, they're huge, huge, and it's not like you walk very slowly. You don't have a range of motion. It's not quite there yet. But I thought these wearable chairs. I'm like, well, they're handy. All right. Definitely yeah, for surgeons. Yeah, 100. percent Oh my god. I don't think people oh, yeah. realize how long surgeons actually, how long a surgery can take and how long a surgeon yeah. is actually in that situation for. I know. Give him the pants. Yeah. Uh, the last <laughs> little robot, this is crazy. These are called origami robots. They're little <gasps> micro robots. Speaking of micro robots, and they're ingestible. Oh. You swallow them in a pill, but like in the yeah. experiment, they swallow them with like, they haven't done it in vivo experiments just yet but they like with an ice cube and the ice cube melts and then the origami unfolds itself the robot and it can complete tasks inside the person like removing button batteries which a lot of kids swallow it can patch wounds Uh, so obviously the big thing about this is the bio um, compatibility Mm. which we brought up in iron man as well with um, the materials they still haven't figured out they want it to be more autonomous you have to control it from the outside like with a little controlling pad but those look like absolutely wild that is crazy i love it sorry so much stuff i get so excited yes i do i get really excited about all this kind of stuff and i get really excited about like the advancements in it and and like what what the potentials are and and as you said, like yeah, that thing, just what you're saying about the guy with the system, with, with the kind of, with, I suppose, what we're calling a neural transmitter um, on the system for like his four limbs. Like that's such a huge, do you imagine if you could streamline that, make it lightweight, make it more functional? Like imagine what that can do for people. Yeah. It's wonderful. And, and they'll get there, I'm sure. Yeah. Like I think that they'll get there. Uh, yeah. yeah they're not incorporating ai into it for example like i'm just i'm picturing it right now like it's possible that there could be because you have someone to work with who's like speaking and they can say 
like what they want to do and it can be like a trial and error almost trying to read the brain waves and translate it into a message for for like moving the foot and you know whether or not that's correct or not because there's a like a living breathing person inside there and maybe like an ai is able to by trial and error sort of figure out how to be compatible with the brainwaves i was just it sounds just absolutely fascinating and i really love what you said as well like the what you're talking about the um the kind of healthcare assistant robots especially in like kind of nursing homes and stuff because it is you're so right it's such a big thing just companionship just just having somebody check on you even if it's a robot just there's that kind of security I guess of like knowing someone who's going to check if something happens someone like at whatever time someone is going to come and check and you know and and there's whether it's a robot but with a real person at the other end of the line you know it's still it's still some I feel like we can form that type of companionship with robots I really do believe we can but but nothing yeah I think it's like you still nothing really can stand in for human touch yeah at the end of the day but i guess that's why the vinyl robots are such a it, it, it are such great pro- progress and something like baymax um would be such a so much progress on top of those um yeah robots that i was describing about with the old folks home like it would really help i think yeah um baymax though um, this is something I didn't look into it so much, but I'm pretty sure I don't know how closely he's based on a real robot, but I think he's based yeah. on a real robot. So he is. Um, can I give you a fun bonus bet? Yeah. Okay. You know the scene where Baybax gets stuck in the window and he has to deflate a bit to fit oh. through. Oh, he's like farting. Oh my god, I the love kids it. all read that as farting. By the way, oh really? That was in their ah. heads. Well, yeah. What what's mad about that whole scene is I could not this is this is so kind of like left field but I could not stop thinking about the story of the first spacewalk. Do you know about the story of the first spacewalk? No. Okay, so really? it was a cosmonaut, Alexei uh, Leo, Leonov. Oh, sorry, me just trying to pronounce names. Alexei Leonov. Let's try that. Um, he conducted the first ever spacewalk on March eighteenth, nineteen sixty five, but. While he was outside, the differences in pressure caused his spacesuit to inflate and stiffen so he couldn't fit back inside the airlock. Hashtag airlock drama. No yes. way. So the thing is, he didn't want to panic anyone. So he just opened a valve in his suit to release the pressure so that he could fit back in the door. Like he was okay, but I mean, he did survive, but he did get like um, decompression sickness because of the rapid release and everything. But I just couldn't stop thinking of it when I saw that scene. I was just like, that's just a, it's just a thing. It's a thing. It's a real thing that happened to the first ever guy who did a spacewalk. I just thought it was Do you think it was inspired I wonder by but, that? You see, I wonder because Baymax is actually really reminiscent of a spacesuit anyway and his body design is based on what's called positive pressure protective suits. The suits that they use in the BSL-4 labs in Contagion. Miss Safety Officer. Oh, <laughs> girl. So, um, Baymax, but like, as you said, you're, you're so correct. Baymax was actually based on real research, which is uh, has been done and is continuing to be done at Carnegie Mellon University and it's research in inflatable robots. He was inspired by the PhD research of Dr. Siddharth Sanan under the supervision of Dr. Chris Atkinson, not Atkinson, Chris Atkinson, Atkinson. 
Oh my God. Under the supervision <laughs> of Dr. Chris Atkinson, uh, Sanan was working on soft inflatable robots for safe physical human interaction. And the work appeared uh-huh. to be focused on continuum style of robot. And he was looking at both linking components to create continuum movement and using what they refer to as a single link inflatable robot, which seems to be what Baymax was. Just one big inflated balloon bot guy. Thing. Yeah. And um, <laughs> sorry, I dropped the phone. Everything's fine. <laughs> um, now, the thing is with these types of robots is that it's crazy difficult to model continuum motion. Like if you just think of a normal robot arm, like in a manufacturing lab, you you want to move it into a position, you put in an X, Y, Z coordinate, the joints move around the robot and then the gripper of the robot is in position and there you go. But with continuum robots, like you have so many more degrees of freedom that X, Y, and Z is just, it's not enough. You have to think about the whole arm and you need to program your robot to have this thing called um, proprioception. I cannot say this fucking word. I've never been able to say this word. I still don't know how to say this word. What is it? Proprioception. 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 Okay. Which it's is? It's basically your body's ability to perceive its own position in space. So it's just oh, the fact that yeah. your body knows where the different parts of your arm is. It knows where your elbow is and where your shoulder is and where, like just in sitting down, you know where the bits of your body is. But how do you program a robot that's like just got, say, one continuous movement arm inflatable thing to know where all the different points of it are? So if you point the tip of it in one direction... How does the robot know where the rest of it is? It's just such a really hard yeah. thing to do. And it's so interesting. But um, it's I, I have no idea what the solution is. But what's interesting is that the Chris Atkinson's, Atkinson's group is, he's working on this thing called like robot skin, which I just thought was really cool. And it's like the area related to tactile sensing, but also f- can be used for like proximity sensing. So maybe there's something in that. And then that kind of goes into what you're saying about like the, you can't, like there's nothing, you can't account for human touch with these types of robots, but like advancing robot skin and tactile sensors and all that kind of stuff is kind of a step towards being able to integrate those things a little bit more, which I just think is really cool. That's amazing. Isn't it lovely? It's just so cool. It doesn't make me feel grim at all. Like, I, I yeah. this stuff doesn't bother me. No. I think it's nice. I think it's really cool. I like so the, the robot skin you think might be about more the receptors than the t- than the feel of it itself. Yeah, it I mean, well, it's, it. it's, yeah. it's to kind of help, I think, like if, tactile sensors, if you think about it, it's like to, because having like a gripper is one thing, but when you have like the, the gripper, which is basically what like the hand would be, it has to know how much pressure to be able to apply when it's touching something. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And so how do you determine what the pressure is? You either know how much pressure for every object and you program that in, or you have to be able to create some way for it to have some sense of what it's touching. So it is kind of trying cool. to generate touch in a robot. Very awesome. It is kind of cool. Very exciting advancements. Um, there's one thing with Baymax, one thing about that I loved in terms of physics was that the scene when Baymax is flying Mm. with Hero, 
he's flying through the air and he stops thrust and he doesn't just fall straight down as in a lot of other animated movies he continues on in the parabolic motion until he gets to the turning point or the vertex whatever or you know zero gradient he doesn't fall directly down he traces out the full parabolic motion that's amazing i I didn't even spot that beautiful that's uh, that's really lovely I, I love when you can just kind of pick out something kind of random like that and just be like hey physics <laughs> oh well i think that's our science i think that's it feels very so much science I, there's so much i'm like i feel like we've done it very quickly <laughs> everything in this movie is real uh is like neurotransmitters reading minds probably the only thing that's kind of a little bit like no and then and like things are pushed a little bit too far and some of them yeah, like him being in the garage and not come on, like that's kind of not that possible. But largely, it's like just so exciting to watch. Yeah. But, okay. I think we'll do some what the fuck. Yeah. <laughs> do you have one? I do. Let's I see. do. I feel like we have Let's the same play. one. Maybe. Let's play music. We never do when you say that. What the Well, uh, the reason I think we have the same one because we both not brought up one glaring thing from the whole fucking movie. <laughs> what is it? What What is it? Go. Um, you go. Abigail just hanging out inside a fucking wormhole. <sighs> or like, was she in some quantum realm thing? Was it teleportation? Were they using we a wormhole it, as teleportation? But then how does that work when the wormhole is just folded back on roughly the same position in space? What? What do you mean roughly the same position in space? I'm like kind of not wrapping my head around what you're saying. Well, like... What's my... it doing because it's going to the same place? So how's it folding yeah. space if it's the same place? Right. Yes, because isn't a wormhole to connect you through two different points in space or two different times is the intention, isn't it? Like you're, yeah. you're supposed to be able to travel a greater distance using a wormhole... Or travel through time using a wormhole. So it's bringing you to two different places. Whereas this right. wormhole, they're using stargates. And they have two stargates as their entry and exit point. But where are they going? Because they go where in one they go- and they come out the other one, which is right next to it. So where are they going? Which is right next to it. So it, this, uh, this is a portal to some, some weird interdimensional space womb. <laughs> and you just go into this space womb and find the other stargate wherever right. it is when you have to travel very far to get there which and the time is different although like imagine if you had to travel a really long way to get to the other thing and then it wouldn't really help you unless time is different but also when they destroyed the other one where is she what's she doing in there She's in the space womb. It just is a portal to the space womb. <laughs> Do you know the worst thing is they actually did have a science, like they did actually consult with a science, like they consulted with Sean Carroll, one of the most famous cosmologists in the world at Caltech. Really? They consulted with him for this bit. Um, and I just don't understand it. And I feel really bad because Do you know what like it was like? it was Sean Carroll, we should know. <laughs> If if we were if we were in a simulation, that would be like the cache of the of our computer. <laughs> like you're like going into like the other folder. What is 
other like on my phone when the storage is like images you know yeah. apps and then it's like other <laughs> well that's the other okay that's what that place is okay it's the other <laughs> it's the other of your iphone <laughs> it's just an interdimensional space womb i'm really loving your womb description all right my what, what was yeah what was yours <laughs> was the kabuki mask the and the 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 whole like why the whole <laughs> villain why? yeah i totally agree with you though because the whole thing just like came out of nowhere it was just very kind of like the whole time you were like the bad guy is either callahan or it's tadeshi like it was the whole time it was like it's not krell we all know it's not krell like that's krell, not yeah. a thing yeah 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 so yeah i knew that yeah yeah and then yeah. you're like it's unlikely to be tadeshi so it probably is callahan it's and callahan he probably wanted the microbots all along yeah and did it the was whole him thing to get the microbots nah, blah, 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 blah. but it would have made better <laughs> like do you know what they could have done to rectify all of that they could have given us one scene at the beginning that showed that bit with abigail going in yeah, to show the destruction and they could have set it up with that both Callahan Callahan is distraught because it's his daughter and Krell is distraught because you know he's caused it kind of thing they could have yeah. set up that rivalry a bit better so that then it would have could have come around into this whole world what? can you hear it's a monsoon oh <laughs> no sorry no, I no, think there's me. an airplane going overhead here so that's all I can hear it's a monsoon oh. just started off. But yeah, yeah. I think that it was completely unclear. It was completely out of the blue. It should have been just Cray, like just make it Cray, I guess. But then the whole grief thing. Yeah. yeah. If they had Abigail, that whole thing with Abigail needs to clearly have happened before everything. Set up this disaster. Yeah. But I guess so that would have, yeah, it was like a yeah. twist ending that I wasn't wondering about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it that. was like sorry just how, how it was like, do, can i just pause for one second on the brilliance of that twist ending i wasn't wondering about that's perfection for so many movies <laughs> so this has you. to come back up again okay so the we can one of our little that. slogans twist the movie was about this kid about. healing from his brother's death but that's not interesting enough for children so we need a super villain. He has to wear a yeah. mask. He's been going through the city with his microbots. And it's like, ah. And so then 